Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. And we back. What's good, Wild Black family? This is Vince. Hey, this is Art. What's happening? Hey, it's real good to be back with everybody. We want to start the show off the way we normally do, giving a little thanks. Uh, we won't give you too much. We heard a little feedback that we were talking a little too much on our on our thanks. I think one person told us <laughs> every episode doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. We feel you on that. But we do want to say thank you to the listeners. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Keep on doing it. We feeling the love. We loving the love. Hit us on our social media. It's all listed in our episode description. But I will sneak in that our IG is wild underscore black. Go hit us up. IG popping. But it is not all love. It's not all love. Uh, we got a couple messages, as we normally do, on our Facebook account. And uh, I'm, I'm bringing receipts out today. So, Rick Howell, he hit us on our Wild Black Facebook page. Rick had a couple of things he wanted to say to us. Talk to us. Rick let me know that um, the slavery is still happening in some Muslim countries. So we need to shut up about it. Okay. Oh, and accept it. Yeah, yeah. And be okay with it over here. Because it's brown people doing it, so it must be okay now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, okay, we got to get it along. Okay, okay. He also had a very specific message for me. I want to read this. Fuck you and Kaepernick's communist ass. This is directly from Mr. Rick. He then goes on to explain to me that Dr. King would not approve of this podcast because Dr. King was a man who said, let's measure based on the content of our character and not our skin color. So the fact that while black in Rick's eyes is isolating and segregating, that we are definitely doing something wrong and uh, Dr. King would not be happy. <laughs> but it's not just Rick. We got uh, Mr. Stephen Ball. We hadn't forgot about you, my man. I want to holler at you for a second. Stephen wanted to let me know that Rosa Parks and MLK, it's funny how they always bring up MLK, isn't it? Mm -hmm. like that's the go-to. Right. Like, well, that's the only person they probably Right, that's the only one they know. They think they know. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen told me that Rosa Parks and MLK both experienced real racism. <laughs> but today, this, this isn't real Whoa. racism we deal with. We are just, let me read it, lazy, ignorant, Monkey complainers. Oh, there we go. Who Monkey. want all? Who want good white people to take care of us? I'm gonna read it oh. one more time. We are lazy, ignorant monkey complainers who want good white people to take care of us. Then he let me know very nicely, I might add, how much he loved to take care of me. So it's not all love out there right now. Oh man, I, I, you know what? I can appreciate this uh, this commentary. I think it's, it's wonderful that we got some haters. Yeah, we making some progress. Yeah, you ain't doing nothing with, if with, somebody don't with, hate you. With no discussion like this, there is no progress. <laughs> right. Exactly. Without no struggle, there is no progress. But honestly, this is not struggle. This is just ignorance. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Rick Howell and Mr. Stephen Ball, I want to make sure to give you the twelve years of racist award. <laughs> because uh, your special kind of racism only belongs in movies. So I want you to take that award, <laughs> have some fun with it, and go on about your business. <sighs> yes, I, lo I love it. I love it. I love it. But uh, I w we won't spend any more time on on our um, our fans, if you will. And I want to jump into today's episode because uh, it's, it's, I say it all the time, but I mean it. This is going to be an interesting one. 
No, I'm not gonna waste any time today. We are talking about literally no holes bars. <laughs> right, <laughs> literally. Today we are talking about the real when it comes to prison. <laughs> and uh, really, I, I want to paint the picture for our young brothers and sisters or our older brothers and sisters out there who may be doing some things they don't need to be doing. Uh, we already have enough coming against us. We already have to to face racism and bias and unconscious and conscious bias that oftentimes ends up, puts us in positions where we shouldn't be in, ultimately puts us in jail in times where we shouldn't be there. But we, what we want to do today is paint a real picture so you can see what life in prison is really like. If you watch Orange is the New Black, this ain't it. So... Mm-hmm. I want us to jump into our guest real quick. That's what's happening. So Art, you, know you want to you introduce him, brother? I sure will. So Broderick attended Howard University on a football scholarship and graduated with a marketing degree. At graduation, he took a role at a steel company until his doors closed and he relocated to New York, where he started a career as a CO at Rikers Island. And a CO is a corrections officer for many of you individuals who may not know what CO stands for. Uh, one of the toughest positions in America. Uh, there he was assigned to oversee the men's house of detention, the HDM, uh, which was the punitive <laughs> segregation part of the prison where the most hardened prisoners were placed. And he's got some names to drop about who he was working with in the, in the mm-hmm. times. After his time at Rikers, he went to become the first black athletic director of Beaver County School District in PA, consisting of 17 schools and over 1,600 students. Since then, Broad has gone on to earn his master's degree, following his passion, becoming a a results-driven mental health professional, uh, launched a professional speaking series, All Things Spoken, allowing him to travel speaking to and inspiring our nation's youth. Uh, welcome to Wild Black. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners before we jump into these great topics? Yeah, well, um, uh, I'll, I'll start with my, my speaking series, uh, All Things Spoken. What, I, what I've tried to do is take my experience in working in, in the school systems, working in prison, working with uh, uh, the uh, mental health community, that there are things that, in my mind and, and, and in my perspective, that young people need to understand that there are consequences of things that you do, whether it be drugs. Um, I had a friend that, uh, uh, his brother was always in LSD, now he's a schizophrenic, you know, and mm-hmm. this guy was brilliant, went to Columbia University, you know, came out of economics degree, and two years later, he's a schizophrenic because all his acid he dropped. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to understand talent what you're getting wasted. Yeah, talent wasted, man. You have to understand what you're going to, and so what I try to do now is go out and talk to young people about this. I do have a passion for for those who can't fight for themselves. That's the mental health community, and those are veterans who are dealing with mental health issues that you know pay the price going to war for us and all that. And uh, I love doing it, uh, but I also like take that message out and talk to people and let them know what the what the truth is. Because I when I speak, I always tell people I come with the real thing. I don't I don't, I don't patty cake it. I don't. You know, soft touch it. Yeah, no I just let you have it. Yeah, just let you have if it. Right you ain't in coming the face. with the real thing. You ain't helping nobody. No, it helping no one. That's right. No Raw one. So, yeah. So, well, you so in the right place cool. today. Then. <laughs> you sure? Are. Cool. 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 Well, cool. 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 Well, you know what? We we always uh, we always got a little cool section to kind of get everybody warmed up because mm-hmm. um, we appreciate our guests coming on coming on board, uh, and we open up with a with a section called the the well wild black shit. 
Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so when I ask you a question, you get to pick one. Okay. So if you had your your option, you got fried chicken or baked chicken? Fried. Fried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on the fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah. I, so I I do the bake me. I I ain't gonna lie, I love fried what? chicken. I love fried. Okay. Love it. All right, love all right. it. So so I'm, I'm gonna expand on this question. So fried chicken from KFC, Popeyes, or churches? Uh, my wife and I were just talking about this before I came here. Popeyes, man. All the way. Yeah. You go spicy, right? Yeah, man. Oh, Amen. yeah. You, can't, you, you got to. Yeah, I just man. told him myself. Obviously, I'm fucking with some fried chicken, right. too. You, you, I got you, too excited. Right. Right. You see how you jump right in there? Yeah, That's yeah. How, that was, that was the, the ultimate test right there. Right, right. That's I got set up. Vince wasn't ready for no baked chicken. He on that, he on that fry with everybody else. All right. Uh, hot sauce. Louisiana, Texas Pete, or Tabasco? Louisiana for me. All day. That's, That's what I'm it. talking That's about. That's it. We three, we, we, we three for three on, hey. on these. We, we, we if good. anybody has said Texas Pete, was, I'd be like, they where you from? Out of here. Where you from? Where you from with we Texas Pete? We can't even Pete? talk to you if you mess with Texas <laughs> Right. Like, that is like the last resort. Exactly. Like, there's, there's a hole in your soul if you fuck with Texas Pete. <laughs> and oh, our man. signature question, our signature opening question is, what do you love most about a life while black? Oh man, that's that's a tough question, man. Uh I love smart black women. I do. Uh ain't that's, with a smart black woman. That's, that's that's how I, I don't think anybody I, uh, would, would deny that. I I chose my wife. She and and again I talked to a group of kids about this at a, at a black school. I said, look, she doesn't have you have to be that fine. I said, because anytime any woman you have, she's fine. Somebody's gonna have somebody that's fine than your wife. You know, that's just natural dance of the world. I said, man, you got to find a woman that's smart, that's compatible with what you're trying to do. I said, man, I never mess with women that I thought were, you know, not too intelligent. I will mess around. If they had an A average, I was up under them. You know? <laughs> and like, what you bother me for? I was like, smart, sexy, man. That's and that true. did something to them. That did something to them, man. Mm -hmm. I love smart black women, man. Smart you know? black women make us better. Exactly. It, they demand that we be better. Exactly. Right? You ain't got no choice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There is no woman. option. Yeah, yeah. So that's the tip of the day before we jump into the topic. You know, get you a smart black woman. Exactly. Yes. Exactly, man. Well, cool, cool, cool. So we're we going to move right into our literary piece today. And we're going to read a poem called The Lifers Group, Belly of the Beast. And it was written in 1991. Um, it supports uh, today's theme of let's stay the hell out of jail. And let me read it. I used to have a name, but now I got a number. I used to put suckers six feet under. Now I'm in jail, no longer a rebel. You can't tell me a damn thing about the ghetto. I've been there. The Lifers Group was made up of actual inmates from East Jersey State Prison, and each one was serving a minimum of 25 years to double life. Double life. What none of these brothers in there just for a minute. That ain't that ain't no, that ain't parole. Done. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's done. that's yeah. The lifers group. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Their message is this record ain't no joke. Learn at the expense of our sorrows and don't end up in the belly of the beast. Hmm. And that's exactly what, what prison is, man. Mm -hmm. No exaggeration. It's the belly of the beast. And that's what I thought my first year in as a rookie. My mouth was always open because I just saw stuff, man, I never thought I'd see. I, I know you did. Really, yeah, man, yeah. You know? Oh, I can't, well. Yeah. We're going we gonna to definitely get into it because yeah. we're going to educate everybody today. <laughs> I think we're going to get educated. I can't wait. So, you know what? Let's, uh, Vince, if you're good, we can run to the civil wrong. 
or yeah, civil yeah. right. Absolutely. Well, man, today is absolutely undeniably a civil wrong kind of day, <laughs> right? So we're talking about prison today. We're talking about like how real prison is, how bad prison is. And so the civil right today, it doesn't come from an experience. It doesn't come from any current event, but it's just some statistics um, that I want to run through. There are three of them, uh, but they are saddening, to be honest. And these are things I think a lot of us have heard before, but just being reminded uh, kind of hurts you a little bit. So according to the U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, of the three of us sitting here today, one of us will spend time in prison. One in three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Now, this is partly driven by the fact that blacks and Latinos are three times more likely to be pulled over or stopped by the police due to racial profiling. So really the issue is inside the racial profiling. But the fact that one in three of us, if you look around wherever you are, if there's three or more of you there, one of you all is going to be locked up at some time in the near future. Wow. Two, once convicted, black offenders receive longer sentences compared to white offenders. Typically 10 to 40 percent longer True. for the same crime, the same time, the same age, the same scenario. We're getting more time. That's terrible. That's, that's cold. That's, that's horrible. And the Injustice. last thing, this affects our students. Students of color in schools are struggling. But in addition to struggling and not being understood by the people teaching them, they are getting more stiff punishments in school. Mm-hmm. They're being arrested in school more often than others. Uh, So the average for the last couple of years is about 100,000 students are arrested every year. Of those 100,000, 70 percent are black and brown. Seventy percent. Think about your children. That's a tough stat. So I don't really think there needs to be a discussion about is today's civil right or civil right or civil wrong. Like, it's pretty damn obvious. Yes, it's They're locking us up. They're locking our children up. And we're getting longer time. It's good to have a realization of of the numbers and the stats because it helps you understand that we absolutely have to make some type of change from an educational standpoint of our kids um, because that's staggering. I mean, you you can't, with those types of numbers, you can't really you can't make significant progress until you buck systems that that oppress that are designed to oppress mm-hmm. like this. Uh, and you can't make mistakes or you become part of the system. Mm-hmm. You better yeah. make your mistake at the house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And shit, now the brother Botha, he he didn't make a mistake. He was in this house, but you know, we'll we'll say that conversation. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that I really take from that is that as a collective people, we've got to do a couple things. One, we've got to work on ourselves, right? Some of the times that we go to prison, it is absolutely our fault. We we don't always act accordingly. We do things wrong at times. But there's a whole other section who haven't done a thing wrong. So we have to work on ourselves while we work on the rest of the world. We, gotta, we have to correct the bias that's in this world for our own safety, for our own benefit, before all of us end up in a place we don't want to go to. Broderick, man, hearing some of these stats, what does it bring to your mind? What's the first thing you think of with, when hearing one in three black men will spend time in prison in their lifetime? Well, it's, it's been that way. When I was at Rikers, Rikers was 48% black, 40% Hispanic. The other twelve percent was white and other. What? Yeah, that's aren't wh- aren't that's white people seventy percent of the population? Proportionate to the population. White people didn't go to jail, man. Unless you did, unless you did something horrendous, white people didn't come. You didn't see white white people in I was shocked when I'd see a white guy in the cell block, man. But really, mm. when you're talking about the number of black and brown people that are in jails, you have to look at as you as you guys mentioned earlier the racial profiling. 
the state legislature just says, okay, if you're carrying this much weight, and if you, I don't know if you guys remember the Rockefeller law back in the day, which I was mm-hmm. at Rikers when before they, they killed it. That's but man, the can, law, ain't it? Yeah, man, you can have, you can have a, a nickel bag of marijuana and get 15 years, man, under his law. And they ran that for a long time. And guess who got locked up? Us. 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 We got locked up. And us is still there. Still there. Mm-hmm. And here's a big thing. None of those sentences got overturned when they changed the law. Some of those people are still in there. That's messed up. So well, we're fighting against a system. When I was there, it was a, I had, took a job because I lost a job. And I looked at, well, I'm going to make some money. But after 10 years, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, I can do something better than this because you got tired of people coming in and living in a hole. I tell people the first thing that happens when you go into prison is a smell. I smelled all kinds of smells in my lifetime. Prison smell is different because you smell everything, man. Shit, piss, funkiness, bad breath, rotten teeth, cats not cleaning their ass. That's every day, man. All right, so the only thing that I can think of when you start talking about horrible smells, right, is Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras. And it's the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. Mm. Have you smelled Bourbon Street yeah. during Mardi Gras? Mm-hmm. Prison's worse. Damn, it's a man. It is a, what about a dump? Like a dump molding. You still ain't smell no nothing. Go into a real hard prison, man. Mm, I'm gonna pass. Just, I'm gonna pass. It, it, it will turn your stomach, man. And I got used to it. Man. But then people are like, you know, I've seen dead bodies. I've seen. Like, How can you say that, man? Go to, go to prison and smell that smell. This ain't nothing. This is nothing. Really? Yeah. Because guys live like they live in the street. If you didn't bathe in the street, you ain't breathing in prison. You know? If you never combed your hair or put grease in your hair in the street, you ain't going to do it in prison. You know? If you live funky in the street, you're going to live funky in jail. So think about 3,100 prisoners living that way. You know? And that smell comes. Guys taking dumps in the toilet. Don't flush the toilet. You know? Mm. Or dry blood from a guy getting cut and, and, and pin sand doesn't clean up. That job blood sister and stinks up the place. That's jail, man. I can only That's imagine. Yeah, and and, and, I and hope like that I sheriff only said, do mm-hmm. and like that sheriff said, they're not trying to make it no country club for you, you know. But guys, just you know, keep coming back there. Mm. But you know, I can keep going because it's just like I, I don't want. I know you guys got questions. I don't want to keep. Oh, yeah, well, look, we right. we finna yeah, get no, into that. Yeah. We finna get into that right yeah, now. So, absolutely. listeners, today. All about prison. Real talk. All we want to do is make sure that you have a real view of what prison is, not the sanitized view that television can sometimes depict for you. Again, I mentioned the Orange is the New Black. Uh, I used to watch Oz. I don't know how real Oz was. It entertained me. You know, prison pops up in so many of our movies and television shows. It's in so many of our lyrics. It's, It's preached and spoken to us often. But, you know, how real is what we hear about prison? Because one of the fears I have is that it's a whole bunch of young brothers and sisters who have this view of prison, that they can handle it, there's nothing to it, they're going to go do their time, they're going to come home a legend. And I want them to make better decisions. I want them to know what it's really about. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into this real talk yeah. about prison. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you talk to anybody who did time, they ain't going to tell you how they did their time. Because I guarantee you that they did things, saw things, that if they're on street, they'd never do. Really? You have to you have to learn to survive in jail. And and I always tell people, if you ain't with a crew, you better get with a crew. Because mm. you by yourself, you're just like a pigeon around a bunch of hawks. 
and they're going to get you. You know, I mentioned when we were talking outside, I've seen guys come in, and two weeks later, they're wearing skirts, lipstick, and switching to other things. And you, you're not just using words. You mean they are literally, literally dressing yeah, in a skirt. In a skirt, because somebody punked them. And you my girl now, you know? And if you're not my girl, I'm going to cut you. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to kill you. That's for real. And you think, okay, bro, what's the correction officer for? Like I said, keep order. Hey, you got a problem. Hey, you ain't going to snitch because then you're liable to snitch. Then you're really going to get hurt. So guess what? All this stuff goes on. I'm there making sure it doesn't turn into a melee. What you guys do that I don't see ain't none of my business because I'm not trying to get hurt. So as a CEO, you can't necessarily intervene no. in their one-on-one situations. You're you, just trying to contain you the peace holistically. Really? Like, I don't panic. want there to be a 30-man fight. Yeah, exactly. But if you, you get messed button. up in the corner, you're on your own. You're on your own. You hit that panic button and wait till the goon squad to get there. Because like I said, prisoners try to get leaders in on CEOs they don't like when something like that happened. You know, you you're all fixated on the guys fighting. They're trying to get get their licks in. You mm. know, I got hit. My, my boys, you know, I told you earlier, he got hit. And especially when we worked down in the bang with them real fools. What's the bang? In the, in the bang? Yeah. Bang, the guys are locked up um, 23 hours a day, seven days a week. Only time they get one hour out to um, exercise, and they get 30 minutes out to uh, take a shower. How long might somebody be in the bang? <laughs> <laughs> who oh are they? What they? Just the laugh they? scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> who, who are they? What did they do? I seen guys in the bing for thirty days. I seen guys. Hey man, one guy was down in the bing with me for three years, man. Three never, years. Never left the bing, man. Twenty-three do? hour a day, yeah. solitary confinement. Killed, <laughs> killed, killed three women, and he was a guy that he's kind of built guy. He he just wanted to like he wanted to be a terror. You know, and so we brought him out, man. We had shackling, shackling his legs, shackling his arm. And all I see in my head is Hannibal Lecter right now. Yeah, yeah. a beast. Yeah, yeah. He he strangled he strangled three women there in an apartment, strangled all three and killed them. Jeez. You know, and he's down in the bank for three years, man. Three years. All right, well, let's do this because these stories are coming, and and I can see our faces oh, like man, I'm, they were already about to happen. So let's let's reel it back a little bit. I wanna I wanna draw the connection from prison to black folks. Give us a little history lesson on the prison system, and how black and brown folks are linked and funnel into the system. Yeah. Man, you, you've got to go back a few years because what I know about the prison system nationwide, and, and I was looking at some numbers before I came down here, and they still match up with what I, I was taught. Whenever slavery was over, mm-hmm. the system, white people, still wanted to keep a thumb on us. And so Jim Crow helped, especially in the South. And in the North, Jim Crow in the South, you had you had black guys were getting tickets for vagrancy, jaywalking, not paying their taxes, and they became the next labor on chain gang. So that's when the Thirteenth Amendment made slavery illegal, yeah. with exception to punishment. Yeah, yeah when you're exactly, in mm-hmm. exactly. So what you're saying is they 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 started to lock us up. Mm-hmm. More frequently yeah. for smaller infractions for, or no infractions, for no infractions to force us into this new exactly. corporatized yeah. slavery or prisons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then, and then in the north, I came from Pittsburgh. There was a section called the Hill District. In the twenties, thirties, and forties, it was, it thrived. It was the it was the mecca of, of blackness. Man, there's a, a restaurant there called the uh, Crawford Grill. Everybody played there. Mm-hmm. Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, and all that. And then it changed. It changed. And they say, you know, people are getting locked up for anything, man, drunkenness. 
uh, we got a warrant on you. Well, you did this, or you did that. Where's that coming from? And they knew that we, as a people, most of us, didn't have money to fight it, you mm -hmm. know? And the legal aid that you get, I'd rather have a five-year-old represent me than some of the legal aid people because they're, they're part of the system. They're part of the system. Right. You know? So the numbers are up. I did a walkthrough at um, um, Western Penn in Pittsburgh. If you've ever, if you ever gone to Pittsburgh and you are, and you go where Heinz Field is, you stand right on the shore of Heinz Field in the river, you look to your right, and that's Western Penn. They actually closed it one time because it was rated one of the worst prisons in America. And five years ago, they opened it back up. What What does it take to be considered one of the worst prisons in America? Cleanliness, food, inside uh, uh, violence, the number of amount of contraband that goes in. Gotcha. So they're looking uh, at all type of statistics. All type of statistics. And, and here's another one. Do you guys realize that some prisons, and records are one of them, if they may die... It's never told. It's never in the paper. It's never on the news. Hmm. It's taken, taken to the morgue, notify the family. So if either of you went to prison, say, for instance, got no... A, a nominated art. Out. If one of us got to go, man, it's got to be art. And yeah. I'm going to yeah. expire before I go. And, and, <laughs> and the only people that don't notify is your next to kin. You can look at the paper. You won't see no obituary. Nobody's going to be sick and loose saying, well, no art, so-and-so died or... Never. You barely exist. It barely exists, man. Hmm. You know? Mm. Because in Riker's mind, they don't want to put that thing out that that kind of violence is going on in, in the jail. Prison. So they don't, you, you never advertise it, never talk about it. Man. You talk about it. Was it a lot so, of death in prison? A lot of death? Yeah. When I was, the, the 10 years I was there, I've seen five guys die. I've seen three suicides. And... I seen a guy literally get his guts cut open. Jeez. And when he was on the gurney, he was holding his guts. There's all the large and small intestines still in his hand. So when you say you see, you mean physically with, with your eyes. eyes. So that's not the number. It wasn't five deaths in 10 years that happened there. It was just five deaths that you saw. That's what I saw. Man, so the number's higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because here's what you have, man. You have gangs. I was talking earlier, back in the 80s, man, where crack was really big, there was a, there was a, a big-time drug dealer called Fat Cat Nichols. He was the man. He was on the cover of Time magazine. He was his, there? Yeah. His lieutenant, I talked to him like I'm talking to you. Mm. His lieutenant, Pappy Mason, had a crew called the Bebo Boys. They ran all the Queens, all the Queens, as far as drugs went. Then guys were in 40 projects riding around in Rolls Royces in 40 projects. Lamborghinis in 40 projects. Huh? You tell them, but yeah, cops that were doing what they're supposed to do kind of turned their head, you know. And matter mm. of fact, Pepe Mason put a hood on a cop and, she, and had him killed because he was protecting the witness while he yeah. was in Rikers. Listen, police officer was parked in front of the house because this guy was going to testify against a couple of his boys. He had two of his boys to sneak up on the cop car while he was in the car. He was a rookie. Blew his brains out, man, right in front of the house. Gave the order, and the guys did it. True story. Research it in the, in, uh, in the uh, Daily News you want to. Hmm. True story, man. Fuck candy, man. This shit here is crazy. Yeah. This shit is real. So, so, so you, you named a couple of folks already. Mm -hmm. For our listeners, and I know we talked a little bit about it the other day, what are some of the other notorious names that you were in proximity with when you were at Rikers? Um, John Gotti, head of the uh, Gambino crime family. Um Sammy the Bull Gravano, his lieutenant. 
I had Son of Sam. Son of Sam mm. came down from uh, from upstate Denimore to appeal one of his cases. He's still in jail. Now you think I've been going from from Rutgers since '93. Son of Sam's still in jail. He ain't never getting out of jail. Mm. I've had uh, Palm Sunday Massacre Killer. Had um, what's it called from the Westies? Uh, I can't think of the guys' name for Westies. He's the one that did all the hits for John Gotti. He's part of that hit squad that killed. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. John Gotti. He was the head of, uh, of the Game of Crown family with John Gotti took over because John Gotti put the hit on him. Uh, but the Westies, who's an Irish mob group, did that hit. Mm. I had all them guys in my cell block, man, at one time or another. So when you when you stayed to us, <laughs> you had them in your cell block. For the folks listening, and and Art and I, who, when it comes to jail, I don't I don't know much. I know Orange is the New Black, right? Mm-hmm. That's I know Oz. That is literally it. When you said you had them in your cell block. What was your interaction like with them? All those guys I mentioned were in our bing. So we locked up 20, 23-7. Gotcha. And, oh, really? Yeah, so I had to talk to so them So they don't have day. any interactions outside of? No, nah, only if they go to the uh, infirmary. And and one of the wildest things I ever saw in my life was when we had to take John Gotti to the infirmary. Mm-hmm. And it was like the Pope walking down the corridor. People damn near were just bound down to him, man. Just that much respect for him. That much respect because this guy could pick up a phone. And have your whole family murdered, man. So everybody fooled with him. Man, how, how in the hell do? How do you maintain composure or like any sense of? How did you not lose your own mind being in proximity to, that to the level like people of, who are notorious for like doing devastation without care? In my mind, I'm one on one with them. I could give a damn what you are. You locked up, Holmes, and you best be here. I got a crew gonna beat you down. You know, so I was, I was never scared of any of them guys, man. Because mm. in jail, they're like a, a, a clipped chicken, you know? Ain't going to do nothing to you. Now, out in the streets, it's a different story. Right. That's why nobody knew where I lived. Where I, they never talked about where I lived. Anything, man. You know, because, you know, some of those guys, I might be in a certain part of Brooklyn. I remember seeing one of them, mate, that I know it did like 15 years, and I saw him on the street. He didn't recognize me, but I recognized him. I just walk across the street, walk on the other side of the street, because he knows what he was doing. He might have been fine. He might have had some money. Right. I'm not taking mm-hmm. that. But I carried. You Better know, safe than sorry. I, yeah, I, I carried. I, I, back then, I carried like two, my, two nine millimeters on me. You know, so, you know, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, able to do it. But those guys weren't really thinking about the correction officers. They were thinking about how they're going to get out of there. Right. John Gaudi's daughter, he used to have a reality show. Uh, I forget his name. Vic, uh, Vicky, I think it's Vicky Gaudi was her name. She had to be out of the show. And uh, uh, she used to come see him every day. When she came to see him, she was a brunette. He used to curse her out every day, man. And his lawyer used to curse him out. Get me out of here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the United States government was always hitting him with charges, man. Hitting him with charges. So finally, they took him out of Rikers and put him in in, uh, Metropolitan Jail, which is a federal jail in downtown Lower Manhattan. Him and Sammy Bulbos. In fact, what they did is separate him. They sent Sammy Bull up to the Bronx in a Bronx house. So they had, initially had them both together. Together, in yeah. That just seems like and a they se- And they separated them. But those guys really worried about us. They just trying to do their time, keep quiet. And get out of there. And get out of there. Now you had you know, the guy that told you yeah, to kill three they, they moving work. They, they trying to get back to business. Yeah, they trying to get back to business, make their money. Even when, when, even when uh, uh, Fat Cat Nichols and Perry Mason were in there, those guys were quiet because they were trying to figure out how they're going to get out of there. They didn't need any other nonsense. They had the crew now. And the crew kind of, you know, you can. Now the I crew can go made in there. noise for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I could go in there, but if you try to go in there, fat cat, you can, you can get near him, man. Like, where you going, dude? No, get back over there. 
What you want? Okay, I'll go tell him. You stay right there. You get too near, somebody going to get you. So I, I know you talked about, hmm. like, you and the COs not really being scared of the of the of the inmates. What was what was their feelings toward? Was there respect from them to you all? Were they fearful of you all? Were they I, angry, my, my, hostile towards you all? Majority of them, if you treat them with respect, they give you respect. You had a, a few that were just nuts. They just, you know, mm-hmm. every time yeah, they nuts. cracked the cell, they was ready to fight you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, the guy I told you I killed the three three girls. Every time he turned the cell, man, we had the goon squad there because he was, he just wanted to fight. He said, if I had to be in here, if I ain't never get out of jail, I'm fighting y'all every day. And that's what he did to the point where they took him to court and he had his um, uh, one hour a day revoked. Only time he came out was to take a shower. Damn, and, so and, and then he went then, to 23 hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, man. Yep. And what they did, they moved his cell down by the shower. All he had to do was walk three steps and he'd be in the shower. Then, you know, you didn't walk the corridor with him because he's going to fight you. What, what was the inside, like, in the, the being? What was the inside of this? Well, first, how big was the Shit. cell? The and cell was, was, like? was a 9 by 5 but in the Bing, you just, it was it was more than bars. They had um, a grate over it with these little holes so they couldn't throw stuff on you or, you know, spit at you or whatever. It looks like the plexiglass joints, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's the bars and another line of thing, and you was in there. So you had guys that would read, do push-ups every day, and all was in there was a bunk, a toilet, and your desk. That's it. No mirror, nothing to pull off the wall, nothing. You know? And that's how you what about daylight or sunlight up? Nah, man. Ain't no, day, ain't no daylight down the bank, but ain't no windows down there. 23 hours a day. So it's darkness. Yeah, all wow. lights, just lights, just lights like we have in here. What type of access? Oh, like, wow. do they have access? You mentioned reading. Like, do they have access to... Any any level of entertainment or anything to focus your mind on. <laughs> well, no, man. They can have <laughs> they, can get, they they can get books from the uh library. We have a guy come to a little cart like you saw in Shawshank. Yeah. We'll come yeah. in and give him a book. And uh and you can slide in that little slot. That's it. No newspapers, no radio, no TV, no nothing. So I was listening mm. to another podcast called um Ear Hustle. Mm. Ear Hustle is recorded inside of San Quentin. Mm. And what they talked about on there was like the guys, especially when like the prison was locked down, they would read anything, anything you put in there just to have something to take their mind off of where they were. Mm-hmm. Did you see the same thing? Yep. And and believe it or not, you know what someone got most of the guys read? Either the Bible or the Quran. Believe it or not. The yeah, I was Bible ask a question and the Quran. Yeah. No, no, that. no, no, that. Moby Dick, no, yeah, you know, it's just spiritual, either Bible or the Quran. So why was it to? Was it because they they needed to find like a place to go? I think was, I think it, it? I, I think it just kept them peaceful. I think it just kept them peaceful because because the the the, the priest dude, the priest and the imam who are who are the spiritual leaders in the, in, in the jail they work for the city. They carried a lot of weight, and and so. They could go in and talk to cats that we couldn't talk to and quiet stuff down. And most of the books, again, they wanted, they wanted Bibles. They wanted those little hand Bibles like about that big. They read those. Or like I said, they had, they had a small version of the Quran. They read that. And I was like, cool, whatever. Just as hmm. long as you leave me alone, I'm, I'm good. You know? Yeah. So you, earlier you were wow. talking about the, the big dude who fought everybody. Yeah. So, like, if you were sitting down in front of a room right now, of children, young adults, whatnot, and, and you're trying to tell them this one story that's going to change their perspective. 
may, maybe like like the TV show says, maybe it's scare them straight. Mm. What's that story? What's the most horrifying thing that you remember seeing with your own eyes that you that you can or want to talk about? It's probably three. Okay. And then real quick. One was a kid. His first name was Michael. He was going around knocking little old ladies out and stealing their money on check day. Mm-hmm. He's about maybe five, six, muscular dude. And he punched his old lady out and killed her. All right? So they caught him. And the rest of the charges came in for another thing he did. So the judge gave him 260 years. He said, you got to do 90 before you get parole. So he came back. Damn. He was crying. He was talking about his daughter, his mother. How are you going to do you know, 96 years? He didn't want to go upstate. Dude, you killed a little old lady, man. you going to hell. That's what I'm doing. You're going to hell, dude. You don't fuss with little old ladies. What do you think was going to happen? F-U-C-O. I don't give a shit about you. Blah, blah, blah. Cool, dude. You got to go back to your cell. He was in population. Right. So we put him back. And at night, we have suicide watches. Guys, you know, we don't have to worry about it. They walk them down a tier. So the every CEOs day, walk down the Every night, suicide yeah. watch. Suicide watch and the, and, the, and, the, and the COs. So the suicide watch said, yo, CO, I should do back there in a blanket. He ain't moved. What you mean he ain't moved? He ain't moved. That's what we sleep. He ain't going to move. Because, nah, most of the guys, you know, wrestle around, toss and turn. He ain't moved. I said, oh, man, here we go. So I got my boy who was on the B position. I said, yo, dude, come there. I got to go back and take a look at this. So me and the son, I walked back, back here. I shined the flashlight. Yo, what's up? He don't move. I'm like, fuck. Because I knew. Because you got to go in there. I got to go in there. So I said, dude. So I told her, that they all said, yo, man, crack this dude's cell. He's man going to he's like, I said, nah, man, I think I'm wrong. He said, well, pull the blanket, pull the blanket. All right. I pulled the blanket, man. You reach in the cell and pull yeah, the blanket? Yeah, pull the blanket off, right? That dude, way, did you go in or you reach through the bars? I reached through the bars. Okay. Dude had taken a razor. Now, one of the weapons in jail is, because we're allowed to give them, they're allowed to have uh, a double-edged razor that is plastic. But what most of the guys do is they break it off, peel that razor out, two little razor outs, get a match, melt that little handle, and stick the razors in there, and now it's a weapon. So what dude did, he takes it, and he cuts his juggler vein. So when I saw the blood, I was like, yo, hit the button. Something's up. He cracks the cell. I go in. I turn him over. The whole bed and uh, the metal thing that the mattress sits on has a lip on it. It's about an inch high. Full of blood, man. I was like, yo. And dude's eyes were wide open. He drained himself, basically. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is deep, man. And so my boy came back there, and he looks, he throws up. I said, man, what are you doing throwing up, man? Because, <laughs> man, I can't steal the blood. I said, it's freaking blood, man. It stinks. I don't care. Kid's dead. Yo, he, he might need a different profession. Oh, blood stinks? <laughs> Y'all, blood is a horrible smell, man. Blood stinks for real, for real. So we got through that. Second thing I saw... I told you about the Bebo boys. Mm, I'm gonna have nightmares. They, tonight. they, they. At the time, they ran seven block. Mm-hmm. 
Hispanic kids were on one side, Bieber boys on the other side. There was a kid, and I knew him from Hollis, Queens. He got locked up for crack. Distribution so, or um, yeah. smoking it? Uh, selling. selling. Okay. Yeah. So somehow or another, one of his boys disrespected Pappy Mason, who isn't in the cell block now. He's in the bank with me. And so they knew this guy that disrespected him was coming in, in, in jail. And they knew this kid and this kid that was coming in were tight. So it's like, look, dude, he can't come in here. And so the kid was like, what do you mean? I'm like, he got to go. And you're going to do it. And if you don't do it, we're going to do both y'all. And doing means we're going to kill you. Oh, you know, just to let you know where my mind is, when he said he got to go, I was thinking, well, hell, where he going to move to? He's in jail. He can't make no, right. no moving choices. <laughs> But you meant he got to he got, he got to be to, off this he earth. Got he got to die. The world. So I'm not ready for jail. I'm so, not ready for prison. Anyway, uh, I was the one who brought the kid down the corner. You know, got his set up, you know, blankets, blah, 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 shower shoes, all that crap. And I bring him in. So A officer opens the B side of the gate and he walks in and he sees his boy, he said, yo. Oh, this is general population. General population said, yo, what's up? He said, hey man, I turn around and go out. I get five steps, and the pang long goes off. I run back here. The kid I just walked in there with got a shiv in his chest, middle of his chest, man. That fast. Now, you know how hard you have to press this to put a shiv in somebody's chest? Because you're going through bone. The, yeah, yeah, you're going the, through the bone, man. cage. You know how hard you have to shove that thing to get in there? And blood was leaking out from the side. And so... The captain said, How's it? Don't touch it. I don't want to touch it. You know, pull it out, blood be everywhere. I'm not touching it. You ain't got to tell me twice. You literally saw the guy starting to turn gray. He was dying right there. Damn. I mean, literally, his skin complexion, he was by my complexion, went from this, and you could see just the life leaving out of him. And he kept saying, See, don't let me die. Don't let me die. He didn't even make it down the corridor, man. Didn't make it down the corridor. He wasn't in jail a day, <laughs> not even an hour. Damn. He came from he came from uh, M- uh, MCC, out to Rikers, down the corridor, walked in the B side of the suburb, died. Yeah. What's MCC? A processing or something? Yeah, processing center for all, okay. anybody. Yes, actually, you go sit in the tank until they decide where they're going to send you to. Sometimes that place is worse than Rikers, man, because it's, <laughs> it's it's open season in there, man. They put as many as 35, 40 people in there, man, one toilet and everybody else. A, and you sit there until they call your name and ship you where they got to ship you at, man. And the crash officer comes in with a bunch of shackles and puts you on, lines you up to General Bus Ticket Rikers. But till then, it's an open area, man. And look, ain't nobody standing in front of that cell making sure nobody messes with you. you on your own. Mm. That's another story. Anyway. So what, what was the third? What was the third? The thing? third wow. was... was uh, my face inside. is permanently scrunched up this whole yeah, third, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm I think my mouth is open for this whole story time. The the third was inside the bang, and the Spanish kid was he's part of a Spanish crew up in uh, up in Harlem, and they were trying to get him, and they finally got him on on a assault charge, but they had a warrant for him, so he would never get out of out of jail. I don't know how he did it, but he had a switchblade, and he must have had it up his butt, which you know that's what they do. And he didn't like one of the Penn Sang guys who would come down and, and mop and they leave out of there. Now, Penn Sang. Yeah, Penn Sang is penitentiary sanitation. Okay. Okay. Penn Sang. 
And we generally don't let any inmates on Penn Sanders in there. But we've done it. No harm, no foul. Well, this guy comes out, man, and he's down there mopping. Now he's finishing. They got to get this kid out, and we got to take him to the infirmary. So we do the whole thing, make him drop his jumpsuit, you know, make sure he ain't got nothing on him. And so we can't put the type of shackles we want on him until he comes out because they're so big they won't fit through the uh, slot. So we got to put them on when we come out. So they go down to do it. He comes out the cell and pushes the one CO and hauls butt, which might have been about 20 yards, to the inmate, has a knife, cuts his carotid artery, and stabbed him about 15 times, man. That's so bad that when I opened the the kid's jumpsuit, there was just literally a hole there. We stabbed him, man. Kid died. That was horrible. Mm -hmm. And, And so, you know, I talk about this, and people are like, Man, didn't it bother you? I'm like, kind of, yeah, but really no. Because in my mind, I know what some of these cats did. You know? So you know the type of mind state they're operating right. with. Oh, right. yeah. And you know that some of the crimes that they didn't committed. And so when I told you guys earlier, and we were kind of joking around before the show started, is in jail there is no rules. There's no rules, man. There's nothing there to protect you. If you go to jail, and like I said, if you don't have a crew, you don't get the Muslims, you don't hook with the Spanish cats, I know if you brought one of us, you ain't gonna be with the Aryans. And you know, and you by yourself, man, somebody coming after you. For your just GP. Just your own purpose. They just wanna screw with somebody. It's just no reason. You're by yourself. You're by yourself. Somebody gonna fuck with you. I'm gonna screw with you. Whether I take your food and beat you down in the cafeteria, whether I see you walking down the corridor and I jump out of line and just slice you with a shank, or whether we're out in the yard and I take one of the the, uh, 45-pound bars we put the weight on and crack you and crack your skull open. That's jail, man. And that type of stuff went on and still goes on. So there is no independence in jail. You need to be aligned You need to be aligned with somebody. You do. And if you're not, man, and look, some guys that, that, and I used to work the kitchen. Some guys used to beg to get in the kitchen because, number one, you can eat whatever you want. And the food and the record was actually pretty decent. And we got you out of the, out of the cell at 3 o'clock in the morning. And you really didn't have to go back, man, until it was time to lock in. And guys should get that job. You know why? What, it kept what was, was lock-in time? Lock-in time was 10 o'clock. So you were out from 3 a.m. to 10 p.m.? Yeah, well, you worked in the kitchen. Okay. And it kept you out of harm's way because the kitchen was full of COs, so nobody was going to do nothing stupid down there. And guys used to fight. I ain't going back there. I'll go back when you lock, lock-in time. Well, I'll take a shower. I'll take a shower before I come down to work, you know? They'd run and take a little three-minute shower. They weren't trying to be in the mix. Yeah. Wow. Did you see a lot of individuals that just did not belong in jail? Yeah, but those are the ones that, you know, were wearing skirts or, you know, and doing guys, sucking dicks, getting fucked in the ass, and, you know. Because how'd you get here? Well, you know, I robbed a bank. You robbed a bank? With what? Well, I gave them a nurse note. You use a gun? Nope. Mm. Dude. You know anybody here? Nope, dude. Give me somebody, man. I would take that all and give it somebody, man. So, give man, somebody. how how you talked about like the sexual wow. assault just then? We we talked about men wearing skirts. Like, how bad was that? In, in Rikers, it was there. It wasn't really rampant. Mm-hmm. The the like guys that were dressed like females, it wasn't mm-hmm. really rampant, but it was there. 
But the sexual assault, man, you got guys that are coming down state on appeal that all they, the only sex they had for the maybe last 10 years was masturbation. So for them to stick the the dick in something, they didn't care if it was male, woman, child, whatever. Mm. And guess what? If it was if it was you and it looked good to them, it's you. Mm. It's you. And can it happen? Sure. Can it happen? Because there's only one correction officer for 75 inmates, man. Mm, you have to God. walk the tears. You might have to go up on the third floor. They're in there doing somebody. So it's plenty of time. I'm oh, sure they, they learned yeah. the schedule. And they know the schedule. They know they know where every CL has their own habit. Even when you work midnights, they know how you walk. They knew when I came home a lot. Because then, you know, you see your house here. <laughs> you know, because they know how I walk. You know? And, you what know. About, what about homosexuality? Like, is it, like, being that you got men wearing skirts and there's sexual assault, does that mean that sexuality, that homosexuality is accepted? Are they still ridiculed for that in jail? Like, it, it just They're not ridiculed me. because you have guys that have accepted that for, that's their going to be their fate. Man. So, so that might be my partner. That may be, that may be my girlfriend. Because it, it, it so they make a guy a girl. Yeah. They come in straight, yeah. knowing they're straight, yeah. and, and they, they agree to be, because there's no choice. They, you, you do they they don't don't want, have that. You want to die? You want to die? You want to be passed around? And he said, I got to just deal with you every day. What if I got to be passed around the, the, the four of us? I'm not trying to do that. Damn. I'm not trying to do that. Because he might beat me up and then have sex with me. You might bust my teeth out and then have sex with me. You may, you know, you may want me to suck your dick, but you don't like my teeth, so you'll bust my teeth out so you feel his gums. That's real. Damn. That's real. <laughs> everything I'm face, telling you, bro. Everything I'm telling you, man, is not made up, man. Listen, I'm over here moving. I I I would hope. I would hope that I'm stuttering. I, I capturing this because Jesus. we need to do whatever is absolutely possible to stay to the fuck out of ourselves here. from going to prison. Yeah, and this is why I said when I talked to younger, why do you want to go to jail, man? You don't want to go there. They don't understand what it is. They don't. You don't want to go there. Is street cred that important? Why do you want to go there? Listen, the minute they put you in that cell block. The minute they walk you down the corridor or into that pod, hey, man, you are on your own. You're on your own. And don't watch that crap on TV. The closest thing I saw was real was probably Shawshank Redemption because it's like that. Hey, man, guys got their little friends. They be around with it. But guess what? Don't get nowhere by yourself. You better have somebody that got your back, you know, because, hey, man, if you get left alone, or you do something, or somebody don't like you, or somebody feel you're an easy pinch, you're a target, man. We've seen it too many times. My friend Dale, who lives in, in Philadelphia, he retired. He did the whole 20 years. Mm-hmm. He can tell you here, but there were some days, man, and Long went off five, six times in the shift. Because somebody you did something. Long, to, that's the panic button. That's the panic button. Because somebody did something to somebody, was doing something to somebody. And How long man, is the shift? I mean, not that it is. Eight hour, eight hour shift. Eight so hour shift. Every, but, every hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes is going on. Oh, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah, and then we and then and then the guys who worked in the bing, sometimes we had to work a double. We had to go work in the cell blocks, which I hated, because at least we had more control in the bing because he got locked up. Right now you got these fools walking around loose, and you know, <laughs> hey man, the wildest thing I ever saw, the wildest thing I ever saw. Saturday morning, back then Soul Train was the thing for the brothers. 
Nah, there were two TVs. There was one so in the you front. you population, obviously, now. Yeah. Okay, got gotcha. One in the front, one in the back. The one in the front was black TV. One in the back was a Hispanic TV. White boys didn't have nothing. You just watch whatever everybody else watched. You didn't have no... No boat, nothing. Shit, but it wasn't but eight of them. Oh, in just there. like that. <laughs> yeah. Black so, they, so, so black people and Hispanic people clicked up like that. And yeah. Control shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, shit, what'd you say earlier? It was 48 and 40%? Yeah, for, yeah 40%. So, this kid comes in, and, and I read about it in the paper, man. He 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 went up in the, uh, Harlem in the Bronx, man, shot up a bar, rallied these people, went to another bar, shot up and killed and killed a barmaid. So, he thinks he's a tough guy, a young kid, maybe about 24. So he comes in, he had been there about three or four days. It's a Saturday now, and I'm, I'm, I'm working over and I'm working this shift. So he says, see, this all we got to do? I said, you've been here before. You know what the deal is. Leave me alone. So I walk in the back. So I hear him talking to the brothers, and they're watching Soul Train. Yo, man, we ain't gonna watch football. Who wanna watch football, man? We watch the Soul Train. We saw you trying to see Jody Wiley, man. She on Soul Train, screw you, get out of here. So he walks in the back to the Spanish TV. So I called the Media Media channel. That's all the Spanish music and the girls dancing <laughs> and they're talking so fast you can't understand them. He's standing there watching them for a minute. And I'm watching, I'm standing in the back on the wall because I can, I like standing on the wall because I can see everything down the corner. Yeah, you got a yeah. view. He reaches up, turns the TV to football. Don't say anything, he just Don't say it, it, just turns it. I'm like, what uh -oh. the frick he just did? Something to go down. So... Spanish kid, and I forget the, the gang they were in. Oh, musket dude. He said, you're on me. That's your TV up there. Take your ass up there. So now I'm off the wall and I'm start walking up here. Because you know it's going to go down. Uh, so I looked at the kid. He like, turns back to the football. So Spanish kid stands up. And I heard him, man. He said, look, you touch the TV one more time. It's going to be some it's furniture gonna be a problem. <laughs> Kiss it, turn it back, see what I do. So now I'm walking real fast. I say, yo, dude, back it up. He's not listening to me. Spanish kid turns it back. He turns it back. All the Spanish kids got up and ran. Got to their sales. And the kid's standing there. I said, Holmes, do yourself a favor. Take your ass back up front. See how scared these goddamn Puerto Ricans? Take your ass back up front. Or you're going to be afraid of me. Take your ass back up front. Don't come back here no more. So he goes up front. Spanish kids never came back down, right? I'm like, this fuck? is crazy. He says, yo, it's cool. Y'all come back down here. Everybody come down. So I go to the A gate. I said, yo, get the captain, man. So I'm going to jump off with this fool. Captain comes in. I tell him what went on. He said, how's it? What you want me to do? I said, take him out of here. He said, where am I going to put him? I said, I'm telling you right now, y'all better be somewhere because I'm going to jump off. It's going to be lunchtime because Soul Train came on at 11 o'clock in the morning. Right. So he said, well, look, I'm going to be right outside the gate because we're getting ready to start lunch. Your cell's next. Let me know what's up. No problem. So I go in the back. I tell the Spanish guy, yo, lunch. Cell's getting ready to be open. So I'm turning the crank, open up all the cells because all the cells have to be open on lunch. Everybody come out. But now everybody got long sleeve shirts on, uh -huh. you know, got their shoes on. Because they, they, most guys walk around flip-flops. They got their shoes on. They finna stomp somebody. So I'm like, so oh, I walked up. Down. I walked up and told this, the the Muslim kids, "Yo, man, y'all gotta do something with this kid. I think I'm gonna jump off." And here's the, uh, the Muslim kids going, "Fuck him, CEO. He won't listen to nobody. Let him deal with the consequences." So, true story. 
By the time I yelled for the captain, because I'm looking at him, yo, man, one Spanish kid jumped off a tier, which got to be 15 feet, and hit him like it was a, a, a Roy Rogers movie. And next thing I knew, six Puerto Ricans, man, stabbed this kid up, man. Stabbed this kid up. He laying on the floor in a pool of blood, man. Handy button that came in and got him. And I'm like, I don't need this no more, man. What am I doing in this place? This is crazy. That's crazy. I told everybody this is going to happen. And they're like, well, you know. So he didn't He didn't make that, huh? Nah, man. Nah. Nah. He didn't have to worry about them charges. He's dead, man. And here's the sick part. They locked up all six. And I, I never knew who got charged with the, with the murder. But they killed him, man. Or a freaking television station. Yeah. You know? Welcome to jail. You know, earlier you, you mentioned wow. a guy who had, had his bowels hanging out and it was holding yeah. him. Yeah. What, what happened? How did that happen? Basically the same thing. Messing with messing with these Puerto Ricans. And Yeah. And, and wow. smacked this guy. And you know what? That kid lived, man. He took him to Bellevue. He lived. Wow. Yeah, they put him in they put him in um in cell block with homos. You know, to keep him, you know, keep me safe. I don't mean the to be homo. insensitive, but like when when they put him with the homosexuals, is it less violent or? Yeah, they're 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 they're, they're pretty tame. If if you ever want to do overtime, do it in that in that section, man. You can that's you can go see me. Nothing gonna happen in there, man. All really? they trying to do, yeah, because all they want to do is get out in population so they can you know do their thing, man. Because them guys, man. So a guy, a man's butthole in prison is called pussy. So they're trying to sell pussy, mm. you know? And when that, that, if you ever hear the term toss a salad, that's a true term. That's a term in college. That's, and that really is, is, is sucking somebody's dick and balls and looking their ass. But a man's asshole in jail is pussy. And them, the, those homosexual guys. Why he take his headphones off? They try to sell pussy. And what they do is they sell, they, they, they sell pussy for commissary. You know, it could be, you know, uh, raisin cake, I mean, uh, um, um, uh, carrot cakes. It could be juices. It could be coffee, whatever. Because obviously there's money involved. They do it for commissary, man. And then they do it for protection. Because if they hook up with, with you, then they ain't got to worry about me, you, and you, and you. You know? Mm-hmm. But they keep them there because some of the guys will try to screw two or three other guys. Then you got... People mad want to fight and stab each other. So it's less violent if you keep these guys in one section by themselves. You know, with all this going on, right, I mean, I'm j- we're just hearing these stories, and it's it's hard to take it in, right? It is it is unbearably difficult but to take it in. What was the what was the what was the yes. mental state like for so many of these prisoners? And I know I know you've moved on and you've you've, you've developed a career in mental illness and mm-hmm. whatnot. So what were you seeing in the prisons as far as, like, what was happening to the inmates from a mental illness standpoint from the state or the federal position? What were they doing to help? Because I know it had in, to be in my In my opinion, when, when I was at Rikers, the, the inmates that were diagnosed with some kind of mental health disorder were not getting treatment, treatment that they needed. Now, if you were schizophrenic uh-huh. and you were bipolar, you got your medicine. You got your medicine. Because some of these guys when they're on the street weren't taking their medicine. Well, you got it in there. But as far as counseling treatment, more advanced treatment than the counseling give you, like from a psychiatrist, you, know, you didn't get it. All you got was a pill. All you got was a pill. All you got was a pill. 
And mm. so if you cut up, if you're having a manic moment, if you are seeing people and just freaking out, that's just what you did. You know, and then we might have to put you in penis egg and we bring a doctor in to calm you down, maybe give you a shot or whatever, whatever, whatever. But there was no, what I consider, real mental health treatment at the time I was there. Yeah. Didn't see it. I was reading an article last night. Um, do you do you think, and it was about mental health, and it was about how mental health, um, a, a large percentage of the population that is in the prison system mm-hmm. has mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And they were also saying, hey, it's a lot of contributions to mental health being the reason why they're in prison. Yeah. Um, and they're get, not getting treated. From your that. experience, do you do you think that's true? Do you? Do yeah, you? it's true. And and here's here's the problem. And and I can go back to Pennsylvania. At one point, the true mental health hospitals where people stayed there and didn't come out because they were that sick became hell holes, and such hell holes that you had these these groups that were suing the state that you needed to close these places down because. These people weren't getting treatment. They were being treated like animals. Pennsylvania closed all their mental health hospitals down. So what happens to them? They go to the street. You know? And then they go to jail. And then they go to jail because guess what? That person is not going to come to a treatment center in his community. Mm-hmm. You put him out on the street. He was getting the help there. But because people were abusing what went on in the mental health hospitals, the state shut them down. There's no real true mental health hospitals like we know. There were those big dark buildings where, you know, people were in there stinking, crapping on themselves in hospital gowns and hair all over the place, never clean. Now, I've never been in a state mental health hospital. I can't say that went on. But there was something going on at the point the state closed them all down. And where are those people to go but the street? Mm-hmm. So when you go on the street and you break the law, whether you break a window, whether you assault somebody, whatever, now you go to jail. And you get some time. Well, are you getting treatment for that schizophrenia, that bipolar, that, you know, personality disorder? Are you getting treatment for it? No. I'm going to give you a pill. I'm going to give you a shot. But is that going to keep you calm? Is that going to keep you from getting in trouble while you're locked up? And, okay, you serve your sentence, and I put you back on the street. Are you getting treatment after you finish that? In my opinion, no. Mm. And it's a vicious circle. It's a vicious circle. Even the guys I'm talking about, that do get out. New York, New York State, I haven't seen any training. I haven't seen any any educational programs Yeah, to help these guys when they get out. Plus, you got that felony. You ain't getting no job. There's no step-up programs that you can walk into. Even the nonviolent crimes, the drug crimes, was nonviolent. It's just as tough. And so that's when, that's now our talking prison reform, which in New York City, in New York State, rather, Governor Cuomo is for this governor deal is not for it. Uh, the the latest running for governor in Georgia now is yes, the guy she's running against. Yesterday, she's isn't amazing, isn't? But there are maybe one tenth of the people that are in prison right now and don't belong there because I'm locked up because I had a nickel bag of marijuana, which is yeah. why Colorado decriminalize it. And California's actually in the process of decriminalizing if you look at And if you look at Colorado for the last, was it four years they've had legalized marijuana? Mm-hmm. Their prison population has dropped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And California's going to do the same thing. Pennsylvania is considering it right now. They're starting with medical marijuana. They're going to pass that and then they'll go to regular marijuana and you're going to see the prison population drop. Right. 
And that's what needs to go on, but you still have conservative thinking people to say, nah, you do it, you're getting locked up and you belong there and don't belong. And that's not right. Yeah. That's so not right. so you, you, you mentioned um you mentioned a couple really key points, right? One is government and laws and in in prison reform and I think it's something to say for somebody with the level of experience that you have in the prison system itself. You know, you got a lot of people talking about, hey, this is what prison reform should look like. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, if if, if been there, you, gets- yeah, you, you, you are, you have a, a working knowledge experience and set of uh, expertise in understanding this space and this dynamic. Mm-hmm. And you also advancement of your career from an educational standpoint. Yeah. You also kind of have shifted into more the mental health yeah. space. If you were able to really work on um, reforming a prison system, like from and and I and I call it either up. reforming it or completely dismantling it and building it from the ground up, what would it look like? Because you, you do need you do need prison systems. Like, yeah. I don't want anyone oh, yeah. to think that you don't need that right. because it, it, that it, is it, an element that's required. Where I would start at is look at those who are in prison for nonviolent crimes. I'd start there. I'd start at that level. And I would look at what your situation is, what you're trying to do, what your what your program looks like in getting out of jail. So it's, if it's getting a high school diploma, we can take care of that while we're working on your case to get you out of here. If it's working on a college degree, we can work on that here before you get out of here. Okay, looking for a job. There are job programs right now that are working with inmates who are getting out and getting them set up where you have employers that will hire you. It's sort of like, like I mentioned earlier, like a step-up program. The other part is you'd be surprised the reading levels of a lot of these guys that are in jail. It's like second grade level. So those, again dealing with people who are nonviolent crime first with, with the lower jail sentences. Right. Can you read? Let's test you. Let's see where you're at as far as reading. Let's see where you're at and as far as your comprehension of what, what I'm trying to teach you. Hey, everybody's in a book. Can you work with your hands? You're a guy that can be a mechanic or you're a guy that can be a carpenter. Well, let's see those skills. Let's see what, what, what you can do. Let's see if those trans- skills can transfer to a job out here. And then, again, and I know... When I was at, uh, I ran the courts up at Hall County for the mental health uh, court and vet court. You had guys that got to leave out and come back to jail. They worked during the day and came back. They had a job. They literally had a job. One guy was a a detailer for a car dealership, the Cadillac dealership on uh, Browns Bridge Road and Gateway and uh, Gainesville. And the end of the day, he went back to jail. That's where it starts at because. If a guy does four years in jail, if we do a year, you put me in jail for a year, I got to recondition back what my life was. Because first of all, it's changed. A year can change. Think about somebody that did 30 years in coming out. It's just like I'm going back to Shawshank Redemption. Hey, man, when I came here, there were no no telephones on the wall. Right, Andy. When I came here, there were no cars riding up and down the street. Right. So think about guys that came out now. I watched a thing on TV that that guy... When he jailed, there wasn't no cell phones when he was when he was put in jail. He had to get taught how to use a cell phone. He's seen computers. He ain't not operated. It's all about education, and you have to talk these 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 uh, states into putting money into the education of these guys coming out, or the recidivism rate 
it's going to stay high because this guy's going to do a revolving door and go back out. I can't take care of myself and do another crime and come back to jail. So we're getting near the end of the time. I want to ask, actually, just one one real quick question, and then I want to hand it over to you to tell the people what you want to tell them. We thought about a lot of heavy things. So something hopefully lighter. How was the food in jail? It's not. At Rikers, it wasn't bad. Um, we had uh, a civilian chef. Mm-hmm. And you had guys that were inmates that were very good cooks. It was very good. Now, you say, okay, there's down this going on. And I, I don't want to treat you about the food. Okay, what's the corrections officers down there for? Well, yeah, they're inmates. But you have some inmates that were sick too, man. I remember coming in, I caught one guy. He's doing some milk crate. He was urinating in the oh, oatmeal bat. bat. <laughs> and look, look, look. I hit Shit. him so hard. Oh, my. I hit him so hard that it knocked him out six feet. And I put the cuffs on him. And, and it wasn't like dumping the oatmeal. Because of the joint, we literally had to take that whole bat and get rid of it and bring a new one in. It took us a week to get rid of that bat, you know? But that's why the correction officer down there. But the food that they had was basically good. If you were Jewish, they give you a... Um, a kosher meal, which was brought in from the outside, and they were really good. And if you were Muslim and you had a, a certain diet, the iman was back to preparing your food. It was actually really good. Hmm. So at least for records, I know the food was decent. It was really good. You know, I ate it. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. and I, I ain't die. In fact, I gained weight. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine how you could even have an appetite in prison Man. after these stories. I, I I wouldn't be able to eat. I wouldn't be able to. I would be so... <laughs> Man, all I can say is, Broderick, brother, your mental stamina yeah. has got to be incredible. Self-care, man. I'm with that. I go to I go to my country club, and I don't get on the course much, but I probably hit about 175 balls every Saturday. I didn't know you oh, golf. Really? Yeah. So you, oh, really? We, we need to man, get out. We need okay. to get yeah. out there. Yeah, we, yeah. we definitely yeah. need to get out and, and I get out, and I just hit balls. I don't talk to nobody. I just hit balls, and I'm just like, you know, peace. I listen to jazz. I love jazz. Okay. And uh, I'll sit out on my porch. I've been in closed porch. Right. And my wife leaves me alone. I'll sit out there. And I like to read journal articles about mental health. Right. And I'll sit out there. And I like fast cars. And and I do break speed limits sometimes. <laughs> and it gives me my thrill. But it puts a smile on my face. Yeah. And my grandkids. That's all And right. that kind of stuff like that, man, keeps me from from going to bed at night and, and thinking about stuff, and reliving it because imagine. because my son who was a cop in D.C. Mm-hmm. his first police job in Pittsburgh he had he killed somebody right and I said Christian I know they have uh, a psychological uh, week for you you going to it he said nah dad he bothered me he said he, he bought a gun first pointed at me I killed him I said but Christian he took a life though he said but dad all them cats you seen I said Christian and I should have gone because you know what I think about that stuff today. Yeah. I see some of them, them dead cats, yeah. man. And I should have done it. But go to it. Long story short, he, he, he ended up going. Good. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. he ended up going. We while black believe strongly. Believe and, strongly. And, oh, yeah. And you can't, you can't make it in this world without yeah. help. Yeah. You, you need help. Mental, we all need mental help. Mental health, yeah. We all need to be able to talk to somebody. Oh, yeah. And if I can put a little plug in, as, as you guys mentioned earlier, I have a, I have a, uh, a speaking bureau called All Things Spoken. And, and I'm kind of proud of that because... What I've been able to do is I've been able to go into middle schools, high schools, colleges, 
and talk to these kids. And as I mentioned, you guys are, I talk real. Right. I don't patty kick anything. We learned. Yeah. <laughs> we and, got it. And, and they know that the person standing in front of them, the person standing in front of him is not bullshitting them. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is what you're going to face. It's just like the man I told last night. I said, when you graduate, here's real life facing you. And about 20 minutes, he said, Mr. Hauser, it sounds so grim, man. He said, I feel like depressed. I said, but that's real life, dude. I said, in the high school kids and, and middle school kids, if you continue to do this, this is jail. What do you think jail is? Like you mentioned, oh, man, Mr. Hauser, jail. Nah, home, it's not like that. Don't believe the hype on TV. That's not jail. Jail is a place where you can't call for your mother. She ain't coming. You can't get your brother to help you. He ain't coming. You're on your own. And if you can't get with somebody or crew that's in there, I have to pray for you, man, because you ain't going to make it. And that's jail. And it looked, and it was like, you're serious? I said, yeah, man. I worked there for 10 years. I've gone up down, down tomorrow up by the Canadian border, man. And it's worse up there. Because those guys are never coming out of that place. Mm. So they don't give a damn about you, the correction officers, the the thing. Because New York State, you never got the death penalty back. Some guys rather die anyway than they rot in jail for 60 years. So to come out and put a shiv in your throat, don't make no difference to them. What's another life sentence? <laughs> they already right. ain't getting out. They ain't getting out anyway. Man. So think about that. So that's why I enjoy going out talking. If anybody needs someone to talk to a group of kids, that's what I do. And and they need to hear this. Not only from me, but there's other people out doing the same thing. Right. Because it's not bullshit. And to see our, our young men, our young women getting locked up sometimes for minor things and getting put into that system and getting put into that hole, they're going to come out a different person. Oh, believe me. Got to. They're not going to be the same when they come out. If they stay there a month. Hell, I'm not the same after this They're not right. going to be. We ain't missing it but a little <laughs> this while. Episode. They're yes. not going to be the same person. So right. I just want to put that out there, man. Cool. We appreciate yeah, it, definitely bro. Appreciate yeah, it. Well, definitely listeners, appreciate I think it. um, I think we're finna near the end. Art, you got anything you want to share with our, with our listeners before we get out of here? More homework. We got to right. make sure we protect our, our kids and our families oh, yeah. and our communities right. from Oh, yeah. From incarceration, not knowing what it is, and now that you are educated and you know what it actually looks like from the stories, we got an obligation. We got some work to do. Yeah, one kid, one person, one conversation at a time. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're getting ready to get out of here, but I'll leave you with this a little bit. Um, guard your actions. Think about your decisions because they have impacts. We're going to jail and much more significant numbers than our, our other races and other brothers and sisters on this planet and in this country with us. So minimize your risk by considering your actions and the reactions. Um, one in three black men will be in prison in their lifetime. That's a scary number. That's 30%, over 30%. So um, as Art told you, you got a little homework. Think about everything that Broderick told you tonight. Think about these stories. Stop falling victim to what you see on TV. Forget about your street cred. Work on being a better you, a better father, a better brother for the women, a better mother, a better wife, a better sister. Let's build our communities back up and let's improve ourselves, right? If we can stay out of prison, we can stay out of jail. We can find our way to colleges and we can change our future. We can change this world. So 
that's all we got for you today. It's been um a rough show. Right, that was some, <laughs> some heavy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's it. Peace.